It's Friday, September 1st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, just 24 hours ago, uh, we lived in a different world uh, as uh, follow, uh, following the Guardians. Uh, I, 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 were you surprised by the moves that they made uh, uh, based on the the waiver wire claims that, that went down? Uh, the Guardians acquired uh, three arms, including starter Lucas Giolito, uh, and bullpen uh, help in Ronaldo Lopez and Matt Moore, all from the Angels. Uh, they were the first team among the contenders on the the pecking order in the the waiver wire uh, order, and uh, they got all three guys they claimed. Uh, Chris Antonetti said it was a unique opportunity, and uh, this is a pretty unique situation. Uh, after the, you know a month after the trade deadline, a month after they could have given up prospects and cash to get any one of these guys. Uh, at the time when they were only a game behind uh, the Twins in the division chase, now five games behind, and they get these guys for the sum total of about three and a half million dollars. Joe, I'm I'm stunned by this. I, you know, I I I guess I didn't understand the rule completely. You know, because I had thought, you know, when when they you know went back to one trading deadline, that just kind of was you know the 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 waiver thing was out the door. But this is basically. You know, the, these three guys fell into their lap. I mean, uh, you know, the uh, the Angels just kind of pulled the plug uh, on on the season, you know, put six guys on waivers, and uh, the Guardians claimed three of them and got all three. I mean, it was like uh, Christmas at the end of August, I guess. It, and it was a complete swap of their roles at the trade deadline. At the, at the official trade deadline, everybody talked about how the Angels were pushing all their chips in, they were going for it, giving up prospects to get guys to put around Shohei Otani to, to try and make the playoffs in, in sort of a last-ditch effort with Otani uh, practically out the door at the end of the year as a free agent. And and the Guardians were the ones selling off all their pieces, selling off uh, uh, Aaron Savali for a, a top-40 prospect in Kyle Manzardo and, and making all these deals with their veterans, uh, including Ahmed Rosario and Josh Bell. Uh, and now a, a month later, after, you know, the Guardians have fallen a little bit further behind uh, the Twins, but not completely out of range uh, in the AL Central. The Guardians win two out of three uh, on this most recent road trip against Minnesota, and they have some momentum and they have they're feeling good about themselves coming into this uh, this weekend series with Tampa. And all of a sudden on an off day, uh, you know, the, the phone starts going off and it's uh, these these three pitchers that they, they could have had. Uh, if they would have given up prospects or, or whatever at the at the trade deadline, now they get them without having to to give up anything uh, in in terms of capital there, except for you know the balance of their their contracts. Uh, none of these guys, Giolito, Lopez, or or more, are are expected to stick around in Cleveland after uh, you know this final month of this uh, of the season. But uh, you know they could certainly help uh, if, if if things you know catch fire and, 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 and turn things around, they, they, they could help them get to the playoffs. For sure, Joe. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is the perfect guardians trade. Like we were talking about before the podcast started, you know, they get a bunch of players and they don't give up any players. It only costs them money and, uh, you know, not, it didn't break the bank like three between three, three and a half million bucks. Uh, for, you know, three guys that are legitimate big league pitchers, uh, you can fit, you know, Lopez and Moore go into the pen, uh, uh, um, 
you know, with uh, Giolito goes into the rotation, you know, kind of eases some innings for all those rookies in that rotation. Uh, just a, like a big deal. I think, uh, you know, I think it's a good deal. And I think, uh, you know, kind of gives Tito a little momentum in, in what is going to be almost assuredly his final season. Gives him, a you know, a little, you know, an extra boost to, uh, you know, hopefully uh, get into the postseason one last time. And we asked Chris Antonetti uh, specifically that when we talked to him, we said, you know, was this motivated by, you know, Tito sort of hinting at this being his last season and, uh, you know, wanting to give him a, a, a you know, a something like a winner on the way out. And, uh, you know, Antonetti wasn't, it, it didn't exactly uh, confirm that, but you kind of got the sense that, you know, this was an opportunity and they saw that and they said, let's jump on it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, you're five games out, like you were saying, uh, you got three with the Twins uh, coming in uh, next week after, uh, you know, three with a really good uh, Rays team this weekend. You know, this, it's going to be six great games of baseball right right now, Joe. If you're a baseball fan, if you're a Guardians fan, you know, the, it's September. You know, the calendar is turned. The stretch run is on. Your team is, you know, taking one last desperate lunge at, at the postseason. You know, if you don't get excited about this, you're, you're not going to get excited about it, about baseball. Yeah. Yeah, the ballpark should be electric uh, all weekend and, and all through the early part of next week for for sure. Uh, let's talk specifically about the uh, the acquisitions. Lucas Giolito, uh, obviously, we are very familiar with him and having seen him uh, many times, uh, I, I believe, what, 13 career starts uh, against Cleveland as a member of the White Sox. Uh, pretty good uh, record at Progressive Field, actually. I think he's three and one lifetime uh, in progressive field and, and some pretty good numbers there. Uh, but this year has been kind of a struggle for him. Yeah, seven and 11, 4.45 ERA. Uh, he's made 27 starts. That's a good deal. That's a good thing. 153 and two third innings. I uh, was six and six with the White Sox, but really kind of hit the skids when he went to uh, um the Angels, when they traded him at the deadline, uh, one and five, I think one and four, one and five with the Angels. Uh, but, you know, I like the fact that he's taking the ball. He hasn't missed a turn, Joe. And he's really, I think he's, this is just what they need to, uh, you know, kind of uh, give those rookies a chance to catch their breath in, in Cleveland's rotation. Yeah, you talk about the rotation. It's probably, uh, it looks like maybe a, a guy like a Logan Allen, depending on how, uh, Gavin Williams' knee responds. Uh, he had the uh, the incident on Tuesday night where he he left the game uh, after an inning because his knee sort of felt like it gave way on him. All reports are, all indications are that uh, you know things are structurally sound. That you know he just needs to uh, you know with the extra time maybe he can stay in the rotation that way, according to Carl Willis. Uh, so if, if Williams doesn't have to be, uh, you know, held back because of, uh, you know, injury concerns, I would think, uh, Logan Allen would be the, the, the strongest candidate to, to head down to, uh, Columbus and keep pitching there, but on a limited basis, like we saw earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, they've all, like you said, they've already done it once with Allen. Uh, you know, you could do it again with him. Uh, then perhaps bring him back up, you know, if if uh, if you need him or you know something develops. But yeah, this is uh, you know Allen has done his job. You know he's he's made an impression. Uh, you know I don't think it what he's pitched very very well 
for a rookie, you know, and, and, you know, his body of work is complete. It's not going to change whether, you know, he gets sent down now or, or, uh, you know, finishes the year he's, you know, he's in line for a job next season. And, uh, you know, I think he's earned it. And for those thinking about Tristan McKenzie or uh, Shane Bieber as options at some point in September, uh, both of them touched the mound for the first time uh, in Minnesota through uh, uh, bullpens with just fastballs. Uh, I believe Bieber was scheduled to throw another bullpen session on Thursday that included uh, changeups, curved balls, sliders, and, and his whole repertoire, and that uh, McKenzie was supposed to follow suit uh, at some point, possibly Friday. Uh, once they are up on the mound throwing multiple bullpens, uh, the next step is to to get them out and get them in uh, rehab starts uh, at, at some point, uh, and you would think they would need two to three of those, which the timing of things really doesn't really work out uh, for, for them making any appearances, especially if there's a dogfight late in the year and you're trying to win every game uh, in the, the last couple of weeks of September. Uh, but that's what the, that, that's where they're tracking right now. So, uh, you know, bringing in another starter in Giolito does sort of help bolster that. If you're thinking about moving a guy like, um, uh, like Logan Allen, or, you know, if, if Xavier Curry is, is somebody who you, you want to try and mix and match in that, that rotation as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are good points. You know, Joe, I was wondering, you know, if this would bring an in Giolito does, you know, I guess it could cut both ways. You know, we've heard nothing but positive reports about Bieber and, and McKenzie, but does this, uh, you know, put them a little bit on the back burner where they don't have to, they're not going to push these guys to, to rejoin the rotation for a stretch run. I don't think that was ever going to be the case, but, you know, Giolito's presence, you know, kind of, uh, you know, gives gives the front office and gives Francona, you know, a, a lot of room to maneuver and how to handle Bieber and, and McKenzie. Yeah, it, it might send that message to uh, to both of them that, hey, you know, we understand you're trying to work your hardest to get back. However, uh, you know, we can we can read a calendar and we understand how many yeah. weeks are, are required and 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 it's not going to it doesn't look like it's going to work that way. So. You know, hopefully that message to them is is uh, received well. But, uh, you know, it also sends a message to the rest of that clubhouse that, hey, uh, you know, we're not done. We're not out of this. We saw what happened uh, head to head with Minnesota. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, that that basically they're in their heads. And, you know, there's there's the ability and the, the possibility there uh, to, to chase them down from five games back. Uh, it's going to be an, an interesting month of September, to say the least. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Joe, this is this has been like a frenetic uh season for this front office. You know, we're used to uh, you know, um uh, you know, Antonetti and and Chernoff being so calm and and cool and and kind of under control at all times. But just 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 think of what they've gone through so far. In the winter, they bring in Zanino and Bell, both guys, you know, are 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 you know, are, are flops basically. They so you know they, they and you know they they release Zanino. Then at the de- as the deadline approaches, they trade they trade uh, Rosario Bell and Savali. You know then they've got to go down. Uh, you know on August first they've got to make a an emergency trip to Houston to kind of quell the waters there to calm the clubhouse down because a lot of people weren't weren't real happy with that. Then you know all of a sudden they pull out L- Lariano and 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 Calhoun out of you know a rabbit out of the hat. 
and these guys kind of st- almost, you know, stabilized the season, almost, you know, I don't know if you could say save the season, but they certainly brought a veteran presence to that clubhouse, got, you know, and, and the club kind of started coming around a little bit. And then yesterday, you know, it's like manna from heaven. What what was that move? Where, where, did, where did that come from? You know, you're, you're sitting there, all of a sudden, three big league pitchers fall in your lap. And, you know, so who knows what, what, what September has to hold for this club? Well, it, it speaks to their ability to uh, to adjust on the fly as well. I, I asked Chris Antonetti uh, directly. I was like, you know, once you saw that the Angels had put six guys, a quarter of their roster, on the waiver wire, uh, you know, how how long did it take you guys to to get together and formulate a strategy about this and, and have meetings? And and he said, yeah, it had to go pretty quickly because uh, there was not a lot of time to work with, and and they they got what they wanted, and it was it was pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I, I would say frenetic would be a, a great way to describe the season back and forth that uh, you find guys, uh, you know, sort of lurking like a Cole Calhoun and a uh, Ramon Laureano uh, that uh, it, in the space of 20 games, basically uh, rescue your maybe not rescue the season, but uh, certainly keep the, the clubhouse morale afloat. And they, they come in and do things the way that, uh, you know, a veteran does. And uh, Cole Calhoun is is as much of a, a Tito type guy as as anybody we've seen in the last uh, several years. So uh, it, it really speaks to how well the the front office has their their thumb on the pulse of of what's going on in that clubhouse to to be able to you know plug in guys like that and hopefully uh, Giolito and, and Lopez and, and more do the same. What do we know about uh, Ronaldo Lopez besides the fact that he's, uh, you know, a big guy, 6'5", and throws uh, about 98 miles an hour, uh, and and we've seen him a bunch of times with the uh, with the White Sox in both a, a role as a starter and as a reliever. Yeah, solid guy, Joe. You know, uh, he's he's pitched well against Cleveland, like you said, as a starter, as a reliever. Uh, he's got a 3.93 ERA this year. Uh, 71 strikeouts, 30 walks. Um, uh, you know, he's been durable. He's answered the bill. I think he's made what nine, nine start, uh, maybe, maybe more than nine. I think nine starts as well, but he's pitched mostly out of the pen. Uh, you know, solid guy and, uh, he should help them a lot. I think he's going to, I don't know where they fit him in that, in that bullpen, Joe. Do you, you know, we were talking a little bit about this. Uh, you probably put him in what is sixth, seventh inning. Then, uh-huh. then you still, you know, still go with, uh, Stefan, uh, you know, in the lefty Henkis and then as classy as your closer. Yeah. He gives you another option besides Angel de los Santos. I would think that uh, you know, pretty much alternate them games, you know, give them that sixth, seventh role uh, for a right-hander. Uh, you know, one day you're pitching uh, Delo in that game, and then the other game you're pitching Lopez. And, uh, you know, it's he's uh, another uh, Dominican uh, native, so, uh, you know, Delo's got a buddy to, to sit there next to him in his locker, and, uh, you, you know, you pitch one on Tuesday, you can pitch the other one on Wednesday, I guess, is the uh, – is the, is the formula and and really the same with Matt Moore and Sam Hentges. Uh, Moore has been really effective since becoming a full time reliever. Uh, you know, last year with Texas, and then again, uh, you know, this year he was probably the best uh, uh, pitcher in the in the bullpen for the Angels uh, to this point in the season. Uh, and he gives you a guy to to complement Sam Hentges. Yeah, you know, two lefties. You got to like that. 
uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you're able to go with 14 pitches when the rosters expand today. So, you know, th- that gives Tito an extra guy in the bullpen. And we all know what, uh, you know, how how good Francona is at manipulating that bullpen, especially in late innings. And, you know, uh, Lopez and Moore give him two more guys, two more arms to, uh, to uh, you know, do what he's done, do what he does best. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, who's coming back and, and what the timing of things are uh, with this roster expansion on uh, on September 1st. You get a an extra position player. Uh, the Guardians, uh, in order to make room on the 40 man roster for uh, the the new acquisitions, uh, they had to let go of Peyton Battenfield and Eric Haas. Haas was you know with the club briefly for about a week uh, after getting cut by uh, Detroit. Uh, but it looks like David Fry is going to be ready to come off the injured list and, and should be back with the club on Friday. Yeah, Fry's coming back. Uh, I was told he'll be activated before the game Friday. Uh, Naylor, uh, Josh Naylor, probably will be ready next week. He's, you know, continuing his rehab at AA Akron. He's going to play today, get the Saturday off and play again on Sunday. Uh, so that's why, you know, they, they didn't really go for uh, a hitter. You know, that's why they, they put claims in on, on the three uh, pitchers because there was, you know, there were other there were outfielders out there, Joe, right? Renfro mm-hmm. and, and Hunter Bader. Renfro. Hunter Renfro, Harrison Bader, and uh Randall Gritchick were all available. Uh Gritchick went unclaimed, so he goes back to the uh the Angels. But Bader and Renfro both uh joined the Reds, uh, who actually, you know, looked like they were done for the season and then now have, have uh put in a claim on on two outfielders to sort of remake their lineup. Yeah, Joe, you know, I'm I'm wondering, you know, if you're the twins, you gotta be sitting there stewing. You know, you 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 didn't get a shot at this. The Angels kinda like, you know, two weeks ago, they were you know, or no, three weeks ago, they couldn't make enough moves to get back in the race. Now they dump everybody and uh you know, you, you really if you're the first place club, you're you're at a disadvantage almost. You know, when you put that many players on the open market, you know, if I'm if I'm uh, the Twins, I'm kind of I'm, I'm not real happy about this. I've got to be calling uh, the commissioner. I've got to be wondering, you know, just if there's got to be a change in this rule because this is like it's it's almost like open season. You know, when when you know when when uh, what August 31st starts and then everybody just dumps their players and you know you. You kind of run up the white flag and and you know then it's easy pickings for all you know the contenders below the teams that uh, that are in first place that have played so hard well, all season to get in first place i mean it would encourage more teams if it stayed the same it would encourage more teams to stay in it uh, you know like the guardians they sort of hung around and waited and and see to see who becomes available uh for the final month of the season i just don't like the fact that it's it's only a month and you know if you're a starting pitcher you only get three, yeah. four maybe chances to, to sort of help a new club, which is, is kind of, a you know, not, not great. But uh, I asked Chris Antonetti if, um, you know, if the moves were made in part to, to bolster sort of the roster, but also to, to block some of these guys from going to uh, teams that are higher up in the order. And, and he sort of had, he had a little bit of a grin on his face when he, he, he responded. He's like, you know, the, the main idea was to, to get the guys we wanted, but, you know, a secondary benefit was that other teams couldn't get the guys that we wanted. 
Yeah, you know, that's that's been going on for forever. And as long as the waivers have been going on, you know, teams have always just claimed guys to block them. But, you know, in, when there were two trade deadlines, they, the, the waivers weren't always, you know, irrevocable. Some they right. were, you know, you could they were revocable. So if you if a team put in a claim on a waiver on a player, you know the 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 team the player's original team team could withdraw that player. But sometimes they left them there, and you know you were kind of stuck with a player and a huge contract. So it was kind of a you know buyer beware or claimer beware. Yeah, at this point, you know, only a month left on the season, you've only got to pay an extra three million dollars, three and a half million dollars, which. Uh, you know, for even for the Guardians is something they can can uh, absorb uh, if it means making the playoffs. So uh, we said Josh Naylor going to play one game or going to play Friday, uh, take the day off Saturday, play Sunday in Akron. That's what's scheduled. But, you know, maybe that could change. I don't know. That doesn't look like they're going to push uh, him any any harder. Maybe having him back in time for the. Uh, the Minnesota series would be a, you know, a nice little side, uh, you know, story there uh, to have him back. But, um, and, you know, we didn't see much of Jordan Luplo in uh, the twin series, but there's possibility that we could see him uh, when they get here on Monday as well. Uh, I did want to mention that the White Sox hired a new GM after uh, basically gutting their front office. Uh, Chris Getz is the new GM of the White Sox, uh, former player. And, and he's now, uh, running the show over there uh, in in Chicago, uh, you know what do you what did you think of the move to hire Chris Getz to replace uh, you know Rick Kahn and uh, the the folks over there at uh, at the White Sox? Yeah, from everything I've read, it, it was not a big surprise. Joe uh, Getz was working in the uh, the White Sox front office. He was hands, you know, right hand guy. Uh, so you know, Jerry Reinsdorf likes to stay internal there. So you know, they promoted him. Uh, you know, after firing, uh, you know, the, you know, uh, the, uh, after cl- really cleaning house with the rest of the front office. So Getz is in charge, uh, you know, former player, former White Sox player. Uh, he's got a background in uh, player development with the, with the, with the Kansas City, uh, you know, helped them win a World Series, was on, you know, was part of that front office. What in 2015, I believe, when they won the World Series, I think it was 14 or 15. 15. Uh, so, uh, yeah, solid move. We'll see how it works out. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, Joe. You know, there's more and more players, actual major league players that are coming back and being GMs. It's not all, you know, the uh, cybermetrics guys. So, you know, maybe we're seeing a little shift in, uh, in the, uh, the landscape again. Yeah, and it could be a combination of both. It could be, you know, former players who, who have embraced the sabermetric role as well. Uh, and, and, you know, the best of both worlds, I think, uh, for some of these new, new hires. All right, Hoinsey, uh, big weekend series, as we alluded to earlier, uh, with the, the, the Rays coming up, uh, Tyler Glass now on the mound for Tampa Bay, uh, as he's coming back off of, uh, off of an injury, uh, which always seems like he's always coming back off of an injury and always coming back and, and pitching against Cleveland. Uh, you know, what do we expect, uh, tonight as they open the series against Tampa? 
Yeah, Cal Quantrill is, is you know, will be, uh, you know, on the mound for Cleveland. He's coming back from, uh, you know, injury. This will be his first start after, you know, solid uh, rehab start in for Columbus in his last time out. Um, you know, he's going to be facing a really, he doesn't get, it doesn't get any easier. He's facing really a team that is trying to get back on, on top in the AL East or a game and a half out. Uh, Quantrill pitched seven and a third innings the last time out. That's encouraging. Hopefully that shoulder injury is behind him, Joe. It's nagged him all year. You know, it's kind of really made kind of for a lost season for him. But if he can come back here and pitch well, you know, get back into the, you know, the regular rhythm of the rotation and, and do what you said, like maybe three, four, five starts in September, you know, he can, uh, you know, kind of uh, salvage his season and help these guys perhaps get back to the postseason. Yeah, it doesn't get easy for Cal Quantrill. He's, he's come back. Uh, against the, you know, from injury, he's come back and made starts against the Cubs when they were hot back in July. Uh, he's made a start against the, uh, the Braves and they were just, uh, on fire when, uh, when he saw them there. So, you know, he's been sort of shellacked every time he's come back off of an injury. Uh, and, and this, uh, uh, this Rays lineup can certainly, uh, hit the ball over the ballpark. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, uh, tonight at Progressive Field. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll check in with you again on Monday ahead of a big series against the Twins. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.